passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Rwanda Smackdown. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fabulous edition of Rewind to Smackdown. I am John Pollock, and he is Way Tin. That's right. Yes. How are you doing, John? Confirmed. It is Way. I'm doing well. How's okay. your Tuesday been? Pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Can't complain. Very nice weather out. It's beautiful. Yeah. Did you get a chance to enjoy it? A little bit, yes. Um, went for a bit of a walk today. Uh, <laughs> a walk, Whoa, a walk. I, I do, dude. I walk a lot. I do a lot of like walking. That's where I do my, my, uh, my innermost uh, thinking. Oh, okay. What do you think about? Um, today. Uh, what the next? Uh, I, I thought about uh, taxes, RRSPs, um, non compete clauses. And uh, if I ever am disabled. Wow, sounds like a pretty uh, productive walk. You um, know, just all those things, uh, just precautionary measures for, you know, if anything ever were to happen. Gotcha. Okay. Um, sounds great. I, I shouldn't be so vague. There's nothing wrong. <laughs> I'm doing this for ways of amusement only. No, I can't. How, how yeah. about you? Well, um... I didn't really go outside to be honest. I um I live in a condo so I went to the gym in the condo and then I I went outside to the terrace which they've recently opened up for the season so I had a really nice sit. That was kind of the extent of my like uh time outdoors today. I uh I sat outside today. I read for a bit. I'm more, I'm reading this book on Stanley which is really fascinating. That does sound cool. Yeah. Um everything else though about us Sounds incredibly lame, I have to say. Yeah, well, um <laughs> we're really boring. I I don't I don't think we pull the wool over anyone else's eyes though. I don't think we're like trying to put on some front like we're uh exciting people. Yeah, okay. Um well, how, how how much has your life changed, would you say, like in 
in launching this site, you're doing way more day to day stuff. Like you, were, we were going to work and stuff like that. But how how do you feel your your outside social life ha- has changed? Has it changed at all, or has it been dramatic? Um, I think you know I do miss uh, perhaps having uh, friends at work. You know, I still have friends at work, but you know that's that's you. You're my friend at work. <laughs> yeah, it's singular now. <laughs> Are you telling me we we need to just staff this place for no, like no. your own confidence? No, I'm happy because I'll tell you, I used to commute like from Scarborough. I used to commute like a good hour, an hour and a half each way. Sometimes I'm talking about driving. Now your commute I, now is literally opening a door, so that's yeah. a huge upgrade. Huge. So in in that sense, I pretty much save like three hours out of my day. So I've been getting like more sleep actually. So uh, than I used to, and and also that it helps because I get to kind of make my own schedule these days. So that that has been a huge benefit. I mean, socially, I, I still have I still get to see friends. It's just maybe not the friends that I I you know see every single day at work. That's all. Yeah, I still uh, still get out to see my friends like fairly often. It's see, I I think that I've been uh, pretty good about. Uh, like me and my wife are very, uh, very good about just if, if one of us is going out, the other will just stay home and, uh, vice versa. And it's, it's really not a big issue. Like when you have a kid, it's uh, so many people will be like, oh, I can never get out anymore. It's, uh, I've, I haven't experienced that at all, but now like some of my other friends now, whether it be they're moving further away, others are starting to have kids. It's it's becoming harder and harder for them to come out. So that's that's where that's just where I'm at in my life. That's that's the realities of being uh, in your mid thirties. I definitely feel like you have to make more of an effort to see your friends, but you know, not just making the like plans to see your friends. I find that I have to make the effort myself to even want to go a lot of the times because, like, I I feel more and more. I just feel really comfortable just you know being. Like at home, whether with with you know your immediate uh, close ones or or what. So, but in the end, like if I do spend like make the time to go see other people, I'm always happy for it. Um, it, but I'm also the type to like you know build my friends around like mutual activities that I enjoy. So, for instance, one of those things would would be like play music. So, a lot of my friends that I still keep, I I see every single week because we play music together. Um. You know, you're my friend that we do podcasts on a nightly basis with. So um, that I'll play. We, we can play music someday if you'd like. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to jam. So uh, anyway, but um, that's kind of like, yeah, a glimpse into where we're at socially, I suppose. I'm going away in a few weekends uh, with a few of my friends to a cottage for the weekend. These guys that I went to high school with. So that should be a lot of fun. Well, I'm looking forward uh I'm excited for you because not only this wait a second. So that's this weekend? This is the No, next weekend. Okay, cuz this following. weekend you have an an even bigger date, dare I say, than mm. uh Fighter Fest, then WrestleMania, then All Out. You got Aqua, John. Uh let's say this this one coming up on Saturday. I'm trying to think of what the equivalent would be. Let's imagine that I don't even know what what the the compare. You know what? I'm gonna make uh, a sports analogy. Okay, if if the last Aqua was um, the Blue Jays of '92 '93, coming up Saturday 
feels like it's the the strike shortened season of '94. Really? What? So you're not looking forward to this one as much? This one has kind of fallen apart. It's oh, what happened? What's the update? Because last I heard, it was Aqua, it was Prozac, it was the Venga Boys S Club. Oh, they're all coming. It's more so uh, on my end that so these tickets went on sale and. It was the same group. We all were like, I had messaged like, "Hey, this is, we we had a really great time at the at this Aqua concert. They're coming back in in June, so this was several months ago." I was like, oh, "It's it's enough time in between. It's some different groups. It's like an all day thing. Like I'm going for the experience. Like I'm not I'm not going there for the uh, oh my god, maybe Aqua's gonna have a new single out. Though that would be wonderful. But everyone seemed on board. They're like, cool. Like let's let's do it. Everyone had a great time." So we left it with, uh, all right, uh, is everyone, it's general admission. Everyone want to just grab their own tickets? No problem. And I went ahead and bought my tickets. And as we're getting closer to this, it's like one set of friends is like, ah, oh, we, we didn't end up going and getting tickets. Like, okay. Then another set of friends, they they did not get tickets either. And it's down to four of us and like one pair are like gives me a phone call that well um you know in in fairness like uh they are his it was one of my friends with his wife who is now pregnant uh and is not going to last for an 8 hour show which is understandable so by the end of this concert it is going to be me and my my pal Paul that will probably be the only ones left at the end of this thing. So uh, that part, it's like just each week has been less people coming to this, which I'm still going to have a great time at this, this show. I'm not going to get uh, discouraged, but it is. Uh, I don't think the encore was as big as the original, at least amongst my group. Maybe they came to the territory a little too often. Um, well, yeah, they, they hot shot it. Maybe that maybe that was it. However, the uh, the silver lining of all this is that um, I will be there with. Uh, several of my friends for at least uh, a portion of it. And I know my friend Paul is sticking around for the whole thing. But also attending on Saturday is one Davey Portman. So I have, well, he might be listening to this. I, I'm going to infiltrate his group and and maybe go hang out with Davey uh, at this thing as well on Saturday. Well, you might be making some new friends. Maybe I will. Yeah. yeah. Maybe this is going to be the uh, the surprise hit. I think you're, you know, through the, throughout this whole experience, at least you know now, John, amongst your friends, who the true Aqua fan is. Well, I, it, it was never a question that it was me to begin with. So right. I just wanted to see if everyone would keep up. But hey, I want to I want to give a, a shout out to my friend Paul, though. He's been yeah, my friend Paul not only is going to be there at this thing. He wants to be there the second this thing starts at three o'clock. I'm like, dude, I'm in. I'm 100 wow. percent in. So I, I'm. Uh, this thing starts at three on Saturday and it's funny because Joey Janela tweeted out that he got offered to wrestle at one of these concerts. I, I don't know if it's I saw that. I don't know if it was the Toronto one because they are doing like a loop uh, this, this whole touring thing. So I don't know where, uh, but maybe there's going to be wrestling somehow involved in this. It wouldn't surprise me if like the Megan boys were staging something at this show. If he could do some type of dive during <laughs> aqua, Oh man, That'd he'd be the, be the cartoon hero. Yes. Does that mean anything? No. Yeah. Well, I I mean, um no, you know, even if you went by yourself, John, 
I'm sure you'd have an amazing time. So I look forward to hearing that report Monday. Well, we'll see how it goes, if, if it's report-worthy or not. I, I think it will be, but we will, uh, we will find out. Do you have any plans this week? Will weekend? you be Instagramming? Or oh, that, be- that's uh, – I don't know. I, I've really kind of fallen out of favor with Instagram. It's a lot of work, dude. It's just – I know. Man, why, why can't I post photos from my, my, my laptop onto Instagram? Like I find that to be Probably, a really like – Yeah, you can. really got to make me work. You can. can you do it? Yeah, you can. You have to download like a third-party software, but isn't that more no, work? I'm out. Yeah, 100%. I'm, I'm out of that. It's like... Well, it's more... Anyway. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my plans this weekend, uh, nothing Nothing really. My parents' birthday tomorrow, so I'm going to take, take oh, them happy out. happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, just for lunch. So that's really well, it. That's nice. Very cool. Um, do you want to come to a concert on Saturday? I think I'm busy. Oh, okay. Well... That's the weekend coming up. And then, uh, yeah, so I'm going to miss Fighter Fest next week. So you're going to have to man the ship next weekend. Oh, wow. It seems like, well, this is amusing because not only will Davey Portman be joining you at the Talkwa concert, <laughs> he's actually going to be joining me for the Fighter Fest review as well next week. So he, oh, he, that's he might as well just kind of fulfill every role here at Post Wrestling, including host of tailgate parties official host of tailgate parties as we mentioned yesterday the nxt boys Braden and davy are hosting their very first nxt tailgate party for the tailgate uh, for the takeover toronto show a lot of teas in this a lot of uh, uh the takeover toronto show happening is august 10th uh in toronto at wide open so for details on that go to postwrestling.com slash nxt tailgate I'm glad you made that shortened URL because I clicked on it uh, f- for the ticket site, and it's it's a mouthful. It's also available as a button on postwrestling.com. So if you're it got lazy, the button treatment, that's a that's a big deal. Oh yeah, it's a big deal. Absolutely, yeah, button worthy. Um, you know, I was today. I'm putting together a list of all the events happening SummerSlam week here in the city. Do you want do you want a, a little Cole's notes version of what to expect? I do because I mean, outside of you know the the nine shows that I know Sebastian is putting on, and also uh, Anthony Kingdom James putting on that one show, I'm really not familiar with the, with the rest. So please inform me. Okay, so the Wednesday, August seventh, has OWE followed by Smash versus Progress. This is at the Midtown Event Center. Thursday. It's WXW with an ambition card in the afternoon, followed by Progress, again, the Midtown Event Center. And that evening is the Union of Independent Professional Wrestlers show that Anthony Kingdom James was chatting about on our program uh, last week on the Cafe Hangout that you can hear about. That's Thursday night. Friday, we have WXW at 4 o'clock. Destiny is running a show at 8 o'clock. Have you heard about this Destiny card that they're running? I have not. Who's on it? Okay. They've got SCU, OVE, Tennille Dashwood, Josh Alexander, and Joey Ryan um, as some of the names that have been booked for this card. And this is going head-to-head with a Smash card and the ROH card at Maple Leaf Gardens that's going to have CMLL and New Japan talent on it. I didn't even know ROH was running a show. Wow. So Okay. Yeah, ROH, and they announced it at the end of the last one. Oh, okay. That we were at. Um, so, yeah, the Smash show has Super Showdown, which has Sebastian Suave versus Rosemary and Lufisto versus Jordan Grace and then the ROH show. So all three of those shows are going head to head to head on Friday night. 
Saturday morning at 11 is the summit, which features um, a number of women's promotions with Shimmer and Rise and Femme Fatales. Then you've got OWE with an afternoon show on Saturday. Takeover on Saturday night, which is preceded by the NXT tailgate party hosted by Braden and Davey. Sunday, the big main event of the entire weekend is post-wrestling, live in Toronto, 1 p.m., John Candy Box Theater at Second City, followed by SummerSlam, which is the same day as the B-Block final. Uh, all the G1 shit is going on this weekend as well. I don't even have to name that. And then we've got Raw and SmackDown Monday and Tuesday night here in town. And got, and there's a Mick Foley spoken word show. Dolph Ziggler's doing one of his comedy shows. Um, and God knows how many other events are going to end up on this when all is said and done by August. Well, okay. Yeah, certainly the biggest week of wrestling ever in Toronto history. It has to be. Yeah. There, I, I'm sure there's never been more wrestling shows in this city than this one coming up. I mean, I guess if you consider WrestleMania 18 to be that, but it's, you know... There, there was no there was nowhere close to this amount of wrestling. that way. Like, that was back in 2002 when you had access... And WrestleMania, that was it. You didn't have any Hall of Fame. There was no, there was nothing. Like the, your only thing to join WrestleMania was access for two to, two or three days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So looking forward to it. Hoping to see a lot of you guys that week. What what WWE shows do you think that you might attend, if any? Honestly, right now it really depends on how caught up I think you and I are with uh. Right. Uh, what's going on like with our G1 coverage and everything else going on that week. I'd like to go to TakeOver if possible. I I mean, you know, with, with the way we do our, our SummerSlam post-show, I don't know if... I feel like one of us should go live, you know, just to kind of like get that perspective. But um, not, you, not really You could decided. go and then just come over after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like to get do the show like as soon as SummerSlam's over, but, right. you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. Um, Remember, it's going to be SummerSlam, so that means you'd be in that arena from like 5.30 until 11. Oh, I'm well aware. I would actually like to go to either Raw or SmackDown, um, so I might actually right. do that. Um, but, you know, I'd like to check out some of the OWE shows. I'd like to check out um, uh, one of the WXW shows. So Yeah, I, I want to try and go tackle the, the independent shows. Like, of the WWE ones, the only one I could imagine going to is TakeOver, maybe, because... Yeah, you and I won't be doing that show afterward, but the rest of them that might be really hard. But the the independent shows, I, w- I want to catch a bunch of those. Hopefully, I would I would like to see a few of them, especially the OWE would be really cool to see to see live. And I want to see what this venue is like that they've booked. I've never heard of wrestling taking place from this place. The this Midtown, whatever it's called, I don't have it in front of me. But anyway, that's SummerSlam week. This week, we've got a whole schedule of shows coming up. On Wednesday night, we're going to be back with the Double Shot, which will be available for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. We'll be chatting about being the elite. Uh, I'm going to try and watch 205 Live. I was actually looking forward to this show this week after last week's uh, buzz that the show received. I kind of want to see what they do to follow it up this week. Well, I'm really curious to know if Drake Maverick is going to be on this week. The- well, I watched the the first five minutes, and it was a taped um, opening with Drake Maverick because I thought the same thing. It's like this will make no sense if he's there live. Um, and they just did like a, a pre-taped message where he announced the three-way for stomping grounds with Tony Nese, Drew Gulak, and Akira Tozawa. Right. Okay. Okay. What else is happening? Uh, but, Do you know? Uh, on, show? on 205 Live? Yeah. They're doing the Singh Brothers against Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik. And the main event is Oni Lorcan versus Arya Davari after the chair attack last week. Gotcha. Cool. 
So, uh, yeah, the double shot will be out Wednesday. Thursday, we've got the Cafe Hangout live at 3 o'clock Eastern time for our double-double ice cap and espresso members. You can tune in live. You can call in as well or Skype. We'll be doing a Stomping Grounds preview, and Damian Abraham will be joining us to chat about the doubleheader of The Wrestlers that is airing Wednesday night, 10 and 11 Eastern on Viceland, talking about yeah. – um, we've got the Lucha Libre episode that I've not watched yet, but uh, the one I have watched so far is the – the one on the fighting Cholitas from Bolivia, as well as talking about uh, a focus on the Shimmer promotion, specifically uh, Mia Yim and her um, history with like domestic violence and being very open about it. It's, uh, I-, I think, an episode that's going to get a lot of discussion coming the out of it. Whole, the whole episode actually is about domestic violence and how women are using professional wrestling you know, uh, so, at, at least in the case of the Fighting Chilitas, who are a, a group of, I, I guess, uh, indigenous people out of Bolivia, how they've been managing to use the art form of professional wrestling to empower themselves and to, you know, f- um, I guess, get a bit more notoriety and also, um, I don't know, power and recognition in, in their part of the world. Just a fascinating story that I had zero idea even existed until I watched this episode of The Wrestlers. So that is coupled with uh, a, basically a look at Shimmer, uh, women uh, pro, women athletes. Is that what they call it? Shimmer. You know, this, the, the women's promotion yeah. Shimmer uh, yeah. with a focus on Mia Yim. But the Luchador episode is fascinating as well because it primarily focuses on Ray Phoenix and, you know, um, in, in like a larger scope, it also talks about how um you know current uh, american immigration laws uh, under the trump administration are preventing a lot of uh, luchadors from finding work visas in order to get work in the us so um uh, like these as we've mentioned are shows that not only look at wrestling but also kind of the bigger topics at hand involving these professional wrestlers with wrestling just kind of being you know the the connective tissue uh making everything relevant to us so two very fascinating episodes, and I look forward to talking to Damian Abraham about it on Thursday. Uh, Thursday, we've also got the latest edition of Up Next with Braden and Davey running down this week's episode. Friday, we are going to have the return of the MCU review. This month, we are discussing Ant-Man from 2015 starring Paul Rudd. And were you an Ant-Man fan prior to the movie? Wait, did you, was this a... No, not book? at all. Not at all. God. Okay, I don't know if anybody would have been. Like, Ant-Man was just... Pretty lame character, to be honest. Was Ant-Man not one of the original Avengers in yes. the comics? Yes, 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 he was. But I think... Um, this book is knowledge, way. Knowledge is power, and I have come across it. Damn, you're going to school me on, on some of these facts. He was a, a, a founding member, and I guess Hank Pym played a large role in the Avengers, but beyond that, I mean, at least in the 80s and 90s, not really of any relevance at all, so... This was a movie that really put him on the map, I I would say, in my opinion. Then on the weekend, we'll have two new editions of Cruel Summer. Saturday morning, WH will be joined by Braden Harrington chatting about the 1997 G1 final and then covering 1998's final with Dylan Fox from the Eastern Lariat podcast. That's on Sunday morning. And the week will cap off with me and Way's stomping grounds post show on sunday night that show will be live as soon as stomping grounds ends you can tune into it and watch live if you are a double double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com we'll also be taking your calls with feedback and then the free podcast version will be up later that night early monday morning so all of that can be found at postwrestling.com did i miss anything 
No, I think you got it all. Any news? We do have news. Back to raw numbers. I think this is your favorite segment every week. The raw numbers. How did they, how did they fare? The answer? Not good. This week they did 2,235,000 viewers. So to put that into context, last week they did uh, 110,000 less viewers going up against an NBA game that did over 18.2 million viewers for the Raptors Warriors game. So I think most people were expecting that there would be a bit of a bounce back effect this week. Um, There was some, but it was very minimal of what they came back with. And I think that this was pretty, pretty disappointing number. This was their fourth lowest number of the year. This was lower than some weeks where they were going against uh, the playoffs over the last two months. So yeah, And it was a show that I I think featured pretty much like the biggest stars that they have on hand on a regular basis, including Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, like Daniel Bryan was on the show. The New Day were on the show. You had Bryan and Rollins promoted all show long. And it was, yeah, it just, I I, I think like we, we can dissect all of this. It's a cold show. It's cold. And it's really hard to change that um, overnight. And I don't, I think it's going to take a long, long road to get back to, um, growing your audience at this point. Like, I just feel so many people are, maybe they they were sports fans that tuned into the playoffs and they just did not have the impetus to come back and uh, restart their routine of Raw on Monday nights, at least not this week. Yeah, I think it points to the issue that, you know, it's not just, you know, a Band-Aid solution that'll really fix anything. Um, they can only do the Brock Lesnar tease for so long. It's already completely meaningless by this point. Um it it really I think will take something from like far deeper that gets fixed before you might start to see difference uh, a difference maker again. This I I don't really see this changing. It's also not a show that it's like strong word of mouth is coming out of the show that might get people to come back and sample it. I think that's that's going to be something that's going to take a long period of time to reverse course of what people's when you bring up a three hour raw to people. I cannot remember the last time I talked about a three-hour raw to, to some wrestling fan, and it was a positive interaction. You're kind of making raw sound like an aqua concert, and maybe fan like your friends just you know one one by one dropping out. Maybe maybe the length was a uh, uh, turned some people off for for this weekend. It is uh, it's like a whole afternoon evening kind of deal. Mm. Yeah, so. I mean, it'll be interesting to study, you know, week to week to see what the trend is, whether or not it'll decrease or increase. Do you think that we'll hit a new low this summer or is that going to be – do you think we'll hit a new low come football, I guess? Football season would be kind of the time. And, yes, I can I can see once, once football hits, um, if there is not a big change to the overall attitude and presentation of the product, yes, I could see them – dipping that low come football season. I think they'll be fine this summer. Um, They'll probably be up a bit next week coming off of the pay-per-view. Hopefully they do something that is going to spur some interest for next Monday. They typically do get that little bump off the pay-per-view. So maybe this week was just um, one that was, I don't know, people just didn't come back for whatever reason. I don't think it was a a promising number, but we'll see where they are in two or three weeks once we kind of settle into what they're going to be averaging this summer. And if you know something, something catches fire that's going to grab some people's interest. We'll see. Mm. 
So I guess a notable news item from Tuesday was Impact uh, put out a statement earlier in the day announcing that they had granted Scarlett Bordeaux her release from all future commitments with the company. Uh, It had been reported by Mike Johnson last month that she had requested her release from her contract, which was said to be uh, one where she was paid per appearance. It wasn't a guaranteed deal and was set to expire uh, later on this summer. So she is free to go anywhere and... Also, this was uh, a persona where she was, um, you know, really, I thought, became a really popular character on Impact. You could see, like, they were very much into pushing this woman as someone significant. And I thought, like, she has main event level valet type potential. I I think she has a ton of personality. She's a great talker. And she has a ton of presence. So I think that she's... She was a valuable part for Impact, and I think they realized that as well. But ultimately, um, the sides were not able to come to any sort of agreement to continue it beyond this this deal. So she's free. I think this is really good, obviously, uh, for her. I think, you know, she comes out of her stint in Impact with um, a, a, a definitely a far bigger cachet than she entered with it. So I think right now she is a, a female name that I think people recognize. And so, you know, an AEW an MLW, even a WWE, I'm sure, are considering um, whether or not she would be valuable to them. So it's great. Um, you know, why, why do you think that Impact offered to her for her to stay? Or was it just, uh, do you think, a case where she just didn't want to stay? I, I'm sure ultimately it came down to just what, what Impact was offering versus what she what she wanted. And obviously there was, you know, whatever the, the offer was, it wasn't to her liking or just whatever. I I can't imagine that she was all that upset with how she was utilized in impact because I thought she was used very well. So that, that makes me feel it ultimately was financial in in nature and, and what impact was ultimately able to offer them. And you don't really know what these impact offers are and what, what they were willing to uh, offer her to stay. If you were Scarlet Bordeaux, John, um, where would where do you think you would fit in the best? Well, it'll be interesting if she continues on uh, working with AAA. Like Impact had that relationship, and she was able to start working there. And I could see her continuing there. Um, you know, she's popped up in some of the being the elite videos. I don't know if she would necessarily fit in there. I mean, to me, like her. Her biggest value is not as a wrestler. It's as a talker for somebody being paired and being that valet that, you know, maybe once or twice a year you build up to a match with her. I I wouldn't be putting her in the ring every single week. So I I guess you're you're just looking at that assessment. Um, I could see a lot of promotions having a lot of interest in her. Like she she has experience on, on television. I think she comes across great. I think she's a really strong personality that. People are looking for those kinds of personalities. Yeah, completely agree. Anywhere that jumps out for you that um, might make sense. Honestly, like if I were her, I would stay clear away from WWE right now. I just feel like there there just are too many spots available. I mean, in my opinion, I think her best bet might be AEW. Like, you know, it's a division that's just starting to build. Uh, even if she doesn't end up being a wrestler, just a valet, like you said. I feel like there's a lot of talent that could probably use somebody like her uh, you know, by by their side in order to become a, a a complete act, as they would say. So, I, in my opinion, like I, 
if I was any talent, I think I'd be aiming towards AEW predominantly. But, you know, maybe AEW is not interested in this type of character or just, a, a, a you know, a female wrestler who is, you know, n- not necessarily known for her skills in ring. Um, so I guess it, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as someone that is not, um, you know, just where she necessarily fits in. And there's ultimately going to be that ceiling for AEW when it comes to talent acquisitions. Like they can't. They can't scoop up everybody. Yeah. Uh, we have a new match that's been added to Fighter Fest on the buy-in portion. So we're going to have Private Party versus Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus uh, who's the third team? The best friends. The best friends, right. Chucky T and Beretta. So the winner of this match will go to All Out to be in a match where they will have the chance to get a buy in this upcoming tag title tournament that Tony Khan talked about on Steve Austin's podcast that they're going to start in the fall once they get on television. So you what, have to go... Th- what a confusing qualifier. Can you repeat that one more time? Yes. this It breaks my cardinal rule of stipulation matches where if it requires a follow-up question, it's too complicated. So these three teams will have a match. A team will win. They will go to a match in which... Presumably, there will be other teams involved, and the winner of that match will get a bye in the first round. So you do have to go through two matches in order to get a bye past the first round of this tag tournament. Okay. Sure. I think it's a little silly to even announce that stipulation right now. Um, but um, well, th- th- there there should be the added uh, uh, stipulation. I I shouldn't even say those words for this, but at least say that the losing teams in this match uh, cannot qualify for the tournament. Mm, Like, it would be pretty silly. They need the team, so. Well, that's the problem here. So Private Party loses this match. Are they still going to be in the match that qualifies for the bye? Or even worse, they're in the tournament as one of the seeds, even though they lose this match? What's this team winning, then? Okay, so... (laughs) So they won't uh, be in the match to uh, con- contend for the the bye, but they will still be in the tournament. So theoretically, they would have to wrestle one more match. But that doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, because if you're you, you've got to win two matches to avoid one match, even though presume like let's say let's are, say are we sure Frankie Kazarian, are we sure the winner just doesn't receive a buy? Read the graphic. Winners, I I'm gonna read the graphic as exactly as it says. Yes. Winners advance to all out for an opportunity at a first round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship tournament. Okay. An opportunity at a bye. Against so that who? tells me that they have to that we don't know. Yeah. Um very con- confusing graphic. Maybe this will make sense once it's further explained. But yes. this seemed like um <laughs> Their first stipulation did not exactly, I think, uh, I think it left more questions than answers. Well, simply. Which a, a stipulation should not do. I, I mean, f- it should simply just be the winner of this match gets a bye. Like, let's just make that simple. Sure. Yes. I think that would have gotten less confusion coming out of it. But that is uh, that is the match for, for the buy-in. So uh, quite a lot of matches on this Fighter Fest that they have now announced. Uh, a lot. It's a full card. This. Yeah. And, and it's it only uh, about a... a uh, oh, 10 days away. All right. 
let's move on to SmackDown. Uh, at the end of SmackDown, we'll go through the updated card for Stomping Grounds. It seems like there's a dozen matches now on this show. It seems like everyone is booked on this show, so we'll, we'll get to all of that after SmackDown. But Tuesday night, they were in Ontario, California, and the show started off with Big E doing the New Day introduction. And I love this because they had these close-ups of fans yelling out the introduction, but then everyone got thrown off because Big E now also includes and your WWE champion, Kofi Kingston, and it screwed up everybody. Be like Road Dog throwing in a rogue line. I guess he's kind of been away for uh, the better part of Kofi's run, so I think audiences will still have to catch up to it. New Day comes out, they're throwing out pancakes, and the line of all lines from Tom Phillips, that after his win on Raw, Kofi Kingston completely momentous as we head to stomping grounds. He is completely momentous, Way, Does that mean, like, in, in the he's state all momentum. Of, yeah, the state of embodying momentum? Yeah, he's fueled by momentum right now. He doesn't even have to eat. Wow. That's a, that's a hell of a state to be Amazing. in. Amazing. Big E mentioned making the second hour of SmackDown the freaky hour, which is not true. That's the third hour of Raw, because it gets freaky low. And Dolph Ziggler interrupts. He says, Kingston does not deserve to be champion. He would be nothing without the New Day. I thought I was watching SmackDown from the last four weeks. He says that the next time he goes home to Ghana, he's going to be on an apology tour after he fails to defend the title on Sunday. The crowd's chanting for Kofi. And Dolph said, it's going to be me. Kicking ass and taking names. Man, I swear, maybe they, they just they get a bonus each time they say kicking ass and taking names in their promos. It just seems like this whole like two weeks has been a challenge to see how talents can get away with inserting kicking ass and taking names into their promos in the most natural way possible. Well, um, the bonus is still up for grabs then. Yeah, I guess so. But- Imagine this was a normal pay-per-view cycle and it was four weeks of <laughs> taking names and kicking ass. I this think has it's been two weeks, and I cannot wait for this tagline to be retired. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, I don't understand. I don't feel like they've been this kind of like, you know, um, strict about taglines before. But it feels like for this particular show, they've, they've almost made everybody try to include it into their promos. Kingston says, do you think I'm not familiar with cage matches? This whole title run started at Elimination Chamber. I'm fully aware of the brutality. And he talks about all the different ways that he can beat Ziggler and remain champion. And Ziggler comes back saying, tonight, Xavier Woods will never be able to help him again once I'm done with him. And Kofi's luck is going to end this Sunday. 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 It will be me. This was peak Dolph. And it was cringy. It kind of was. And and it's unfortunate because I thought the rest of his promo was actually quite good. I, think- I, I thought that they had the crowd and I, I was with you. And then by the end, it was like the overachieving drama student that was just trying way too hard. Yeah, totally. I, I thought maybe by the end it went a little bit too long and way too uh, melodramatic from Dolph, which isn't always the worst thing in wrestling. You know, like I, I'm thinking about like over actors like Kenny Omega who, you know, don't seem to attract that much negative press. Um, but here I found it comical by the end. 
And, you know, it's too bad because I thought he did well and I thought Kofi did well. I thought Kofi's delivery was good. He said he was going to Millie Rock out, out that front door. He sounded believable. I love Kofi as champion. but I think Kofi is... Like, listen, it's it, this guy isn't John Cena, but I think they've handled him really well since WrestleMania. It's like yeah. this guy comes out. I think that here's a guy that people did not see as a main eventer when he won this title, but he consistently wins his matches. He's like the popularity continues mm-hmm. and it's getting louder for this guy. And they know like he's beating everybody. I, I think like they've they've handled him as well as you could. I would say the same about Seth Rollins. They're like both champions coming out of WrestleMania, they've done very good jobs with. Um, they feel like champions that are the focus of their respective shows, and they both feel like they're actually incredibly well liked by the audience, and they both feel like they should be champions. So I thought I thought Kofi was great. Obviously, with the Kofi programs and even with the Seth programs too, the, the biggest complaint has probably been the level of their opponents. And unfortunately, here in, in this case, this was a program between Do- Dolph and Kofi that was pretty much doomed from the beginning. That said, though, I, I do feel like everybody involved with the program is still trying their best to to drive as much interest as they can. So Dolph and Xavier Woods had a match. Ziggler was working the neck, got hit with the honor roll. Woods climbs to the top when Owens and Zayn ran down, attacking Kofi and Big E. And so Woods hit a high cross to them on the floor. Everyone got th- thrown out from ringside. So we come back from the commercial and the match continues. Woods hit a discus forearm, did a military press into the double knees and... Got got a lot of offense in here on Ziggler. And then both are on the apron. Woods takes a super kick, then a zigzag, and he gets tied in the ropes by Ziggler, who's attacking the left arm. Then another super kick. He pins Xavier Woods. And, man, I I really felt like this, this violence was just way too much for me to take. Uh, not only will Xavier never be able to help Kofi Kingston ever again, uh, this this may be career ending. This was way too violent. Uh, the promo really did set the tone for this level of attack. <laughs> he super kicked him fucking twice, dude. Well, I mean, the one time, the second time he did it, he had him strung up on the ropes like crucifixion style and super kicked him like it was an execution. So I know you're you're being sarcastic, John. Um, Not at all. <laughs> but I did did like the extra bit of viciousness that they tried to give Dolph here. And, you know, they didn't have to resort to weapons to do it. It was just timing, pausing, setting up the moment, and him delivering that super kick in a slightly different way. I thought this was a good match. Xavier Woods doesn't really get too many TV singles matches. But here, I thought he showed how underrated and forgotten he might be as a as an in-ring wrestler he was able to, to put in equal parts high flying some power moves here and even he was even he was even able to hang with Dolph a bit with his amateur wrestling stuff early on I thought Woods looked great um you know again it's it's unfortunately all for a bit of a colder program but like I said I think everybody involved is trying their best I was just really confused I, I don't know what the strategy is having the guy who's challenging for the title get a solid win on the final show. I mean, that's to me, I mean, I was, I was almost interested now in this guy going for this title on, on Sunday. It was a very peculiar strategy. So just based on the result and how upset I was over the Corbin booking Corbin of all people, uh, this was a match of the year candidate in comparison. Well, they're trying new things, John crazy heating up challengers, uh, (laughs) not, not pinning like your challenger, Six days before his title match when he needs all the help in the world. Yeah. Novel stuff. Like for all the 
the logic thrown out the window on Raw. Like, tonight's booking, at least, like, the match has made sense. That's all yes. I can ask for. Yes, it made far more sense than Raw. They recapped uh, Rambo, Seth Rollins, on Raw from the night before. And then we get a shot of Shelton Benjamin and the B-team outside of Baron Corbin's locker room. And Shelton explains Come that on. Corbin... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I know, like, they, they need to show us who's inside the door. But are you telling me Baron Corbin has his own locker room? Like, I can't buy that. Well, this was their way around. Cor- Corbin was never on this show, correct? Did I did he I miss him at there. any point? I did not so, see him, no. I guess they needed some visual to explain uh, his absence. But seriously, like, you're telling me that anybody who shows up um, has his own, like, little card with his own logo on it? In, it, in their own room? Like, what? I, I just, like, what's the harm in having, you know, just a generic locker room and people telling me, oh, uh, Baron Corbin is, is waiting inside? I mean, the, I, I didn't mind the visual. It's like, I just y- it's you're, you're really going to have Shelton explain who's, who's in the room and what's happening? At least it would be realistic. We're not about realistic. Maybe he, he has one of those cards from his days as a GM and he just carries it to all the arenas. For moments sure. like this. Okay. So Benjamin explains that Corbin just wants to use one of them to get the title. And he says, I don't mind using Corbin. And then Matt Hardy walks out and tells Senor Benjamin that Corbin's awaiting him. Yeah. Yeah. So a cute little callback. Um, still no okay. resolution by the end of this. No, no, we, we did not get our referee. And, uh, a congratulations to Matt Hardy. He's expecting his third child. Wow. Cool. Moment of bliss. Alexa Bliss came out with Nikki Cross. And I am trying to keep count, everybody. And including oh, Alexa and Nikki, we are at two and three uh, with Sami Zayn. So we're up to three. B-team and Shelton are SmackDown? I'm pretty sure they are. I could not tell you what Matt Hardy is. I think all SmackDown. Oh, he's SmackDown, right, because the Hardys were on SmackDown. So before they went to break, they did the deal where they show the talent in the back getting ready to come out. So Alexa's holding her coffee. And then after the break, she walks out and does not have her coffee. So I'm left to believe that she put it down. She drinks fast. Well, then Bailey comes out drinking the coffee. Well, Alexa was drinking from a regular cup. And uh, Bailey happened to have her bedazzled um, travel mug. Oh, so she was just coming out saying, haha, I have coffee in my own personal cup and you don't have coffee? No, the bedazzled mug belongs to Alexa. You see? Okay, but she had different ones? Uh, she had one. <laughs> she had one coffee. I'm assuming she finished it by the time she got out and she demanded her other coffee, which happened to be in her travel mug. Maybe you need to do a post-profile on this uh, mystery of this coffee. I might get very confused. So Bailey is out drinking some form of coffee, and Bliss calls her selfish. Bailey denies saying anything bad about Nikki Cross or posting anything, and Alexa is using her, just like she used Nia Jax and Mickey James. And she's tired of Alexa talking behind her back and dares her to say something to my face. 
So Bliss comes back and says, I saw right through you in NXT back when I started and everyone was so mean to me and made me feel like I didn't belong. And I turned to you and Bailey, you made me feel worthless. Charlotte was the only one who had my back. She says she's not a hugger. She's a liar. And this is when Bailey tells Cross that she's being used and called Bliss an entitled princess that doesn't deserve a thing. Bliss says, I am not entitled. I'm just better than you. And then says that she doesn't happen to emulate her heroes in the ring like Bailey or wait backstage for an autograph for John Cena after a show. And Bailey holding the title, she's just a placeholder because she peaked in NXT. And the one person that Bailey found undeserving is now living out the career she dreamt of. And then they got into this big brawl. Nikki pulled Bailey off. I thought this was great. Nikki pulled Bailey off like like Nikki wanted to, you know, break up the fight. And then Alexa uses this as a distraction to attack Bailey, to lay Bailey out. And then coming out of that Nikki is kind of unsure about, you know, where who is the the, the right person, who's the good guy in this whole thing. This thing where did this come from? This was by far the best moment of bliss that we've ever had by a long <laughs> mile. I mean, I would even say this was the probably the first ever good moment of bliss. This these, these two had that god-awful, this is your life segment together. And yeah. then they had this. Yeah, it's amazing. It's definitely the best thing these two have ever done together, uh, including their matches. I think, you know, for the first time in a long time, it felt like we had a very genuine, heated personal exchange between two rivals who are about to have a match. There were some great lines from Alexa in particular here about Bailey peaking at NXT. Um, you know, if you're going to kind of grade this uh, in terms of, you know, a battle, Alexa was a clear winner here. You know, her delivery was very clean. It felt natural. She's very charismatic. Um, it feels like it was a promo where she was able to get a, out a lot of her real frustrations that, you know, she probably built up while she was in NXT, not being a, a, a a featured part of, you know, the, like the four horsewomen and all that. So, um, but this whole storyline, I know is supposed to be Alexa manipulating, um, Nikki and Alexa making lies. But after this, like, I thought Alexa sounded so good and so passionate about her reasons that I'm not so sure. I feel like she might actually believe that Bailey is a liar. Um, clearly from this promo, she, she feels like she does either way. I don't really care. Like I, I definitely had a bit more interest into this match following this. Yeah. They did a great job here. I thought this was like one of the better things on the show tonight. It really, um, yeah, you just, you took their, you made it more realistic and just, just heightened it. And it was great. I thought this was really, I thought both played off each other very well. You know, like what for like how much they're kind of basing this whole angle on Twitter, like, why Why don't you think they had Alexa actually tweet out some of these things in the weeks leading up? Uh, well, do, doesn't she have is, – isn't one of them blocked? Um, maybe she wouldn't bother because Bailey wouldn't see it. Right. Well, anyway, but uh, this was like the type of realism that I think would really help these feuds. Um, I, I, I certainly didn't sense it in any of the other segments. This just felt like it came out of nowhere and it was well worth watching. Yeah. I, I could have gone for um, whether any ass was going to be kicked and any names were going to be taken as well. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing this was missing. Zelina Vega was in the back and Apollo Cruz is looking for Andrade. 
and Vega asked him if she if he's flirting with her, and it leads to Cruz having his back turned and gets jumped from Andrade from behind, and then Vega with the line, "Oh, there he is," and then in the back we see Chad Gable taking notes. Yeah, I'm not really sure what this uh, Gable note taking character is 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 going. Um, I don't know if it. I don't know. I, I, sw- I swear to God, he's going to end up being like their, like internet reporter or something like that. Is he going to put out a newsletter or a podcast or something? That that's the vibe I get. For is like this guy is going to be like secretly like reporting things that are happening backstage. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, but completely is completely different from the amazing wrestler that I saw in 205 Live. I just don't see how that type of character would allow him to wrestle like he's supposed to. He ha- he happens to be an internet wrestling reporter who also has, is a former amateur wrestling Olympian and has incredible matches. Hmm. The B team versus Heavy Machinery. They have Daniel Bryan on commentary alongside Rowan. And they announced that it's hey. going to be brought... Before that, did you happen to see the Becky and Lacey video that they showed in the commercial? No. So it was, I guess they got the rights to some version of uh, these boots are made for walking. And they had Becky and Lacey basically like read the lyrics each oh. like line for line. I thought it was really cool. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't sound cool, but I'll take your word for it. No, it was like, it was like, you know, Lacey like reads the first one, but like in a promo style. And then Becky responds like, in the in the second one, um, and this is all like done via voiceover, but I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was a bit of a shame that you know we're only seeing it a few days out from the pay per view and not more. So they had the did they use like the song or was it just the lyrics being read? Uh, they used a version of the song at the end, so like they they read they each kind of went back and forth reading uh, I guess the lyrics, and then they cut to the song. It seems like a bit of an investment for the stomping grounds pay-per-view. They they better utilize this. I know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure like who owns the rights to that song right now. I don't think it was like any type of like notable original version or anything like that. Oh, okay. But, yeah, I'm not sure. So uh they announced uh, heavy machinery will challenge Brian and Rowan for the tag titles. Is it a tag title match on Sunday? I believe so. I think so too, but that's what I thought. The last time these maybe, two... Maybe it's an opportunity to advance to a, a chance at the uh, bye. For if, the if, they, if they win on Sunday, then they get another match on SmackDown next week, and the winner gets a, gets a bye somewhere. It's the, women's, uh, it's the women's tag team titles. So it is... Uh, yeah, it's listed here for the tag titles. So it is a tag title match with uh, Heavy Machinery. So Heavy Machinery come out, and they're doing their usual Bushwhackers entrance... So Brian starts talking about the Bushwhackers being jokes, and then they throw it back saying, they're in the Hall of Fame. And Daniel Bryan says, well, Coco Beware's in the Hall of Fame. Ouch. Man. A zinger. And says, Coco gets gets all the Hall of Fame shade. So his whole thing is that heavy machinery, this whole tag division are a bunch of jokes, and he's trying to make it serious. And he says, instead of the Bushwhackers, you should look up the Sheep Herders on the WWE Network. I bet you've never even heard of them. And then Corey Graves mentions, 
whatever happened to their flag ca- flag carrier? I heard he didn't do much in life, which was a hilarious comeback. Uh, not only referencing uh, John Laurinaitis, but the fact that it is also Daniel Bryan's father-in-law. That is pretty good. Um, maybe he'll be the internet reporter, or maybe he'll be the guy reading Chad Gable's newsletter. Yeah, he'll be uh, he'll be the one that will have to get all the the notes and then put them together. So Brian is talking about this joke division. Otis gets a hot tag. He does a, a spinning scoop slam that Brian criticizes because the spinning doesn't do anything extra. Otis starts shaking the ropes. There's an overhead slam, runs Axel into Dallas and hits the Caterpillar. And Brian just says, are you kidding? I would just move. <laughs> and they hit the compactor, which Brian does put over. Like, that's that's a good move. And they pin him in 308. Bo Dallas takes the fall. And, yeah, Brian was very entertaining. Here. Oh, I thought he was so great. You know, as good as he was as the babyface GM putting over all the talent, I think he's just as good at uh, at breaking them down for how stupid a lot of their uh, moves might be. I mean, I also don't really think it buried Heavy Machinery at all. It was Brian, like, equal parts praising Heavy Machinery, saying that they would be amazing. They would be an incredible tag team. They just haven't reached their potential yet because they keep doing all this goofy stuff. So I, I thought he was great. I mean, you know, in the end, it's it's still a match that I don't really get too excited for. But I think it at least builds some anticipation, you know, and tells you that this rivalry, uh, this match, I guess, is coming. This is the guy who had the headlock match with Cesaro. Yeah. In, in PWG. Are you saying that's not realistic? Uh, I, I guess it is. Yeah. Seth Rollins appears and murders the B team with chair shots and got a strong reaction for the attack. So Rollins no, has returned. Number four. Yes. Limo arrives. Shane McMahon is inside. He meets up with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn outside, and they complain about Seth Rollins appearing and attacking more people. Zayn says, I am a guest here as a wild card. Does he count? Oh, yeah. Okay. You've got him. Yeah. We're at four already. Okay. We're at four. Kevin Owens says that bad people do things like what Seth Rollins just did, and Kofi Kingston is a bad person as well. So Shane McMahon announces a tag match in a two out of three falls match. I don't know what the kick is on two out of three falls this week. Maybe maybe they've fallen in love with CMLL. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, for the second straight night, we're getting a, a two out of three falls match. And for the second straight night, I was very puzzled as to why by the it, end of it. It feels like it's another uh, sudden attempt at, at trying to, I guess, claim their their viewers throughout these commercial breaks is the way I took it. Maybe they just consider... You know, some type of finality breaking up these commercial breaks to be um, any type of hook to to make sure viewers don't change the channel. Yeah, it's the opposite because in the main event, they finish the fall and the second fall doesn't begin until after the break. So it's in theory three minutes of whatever they were doing for the live crowd. But the match was like paused for three minutes. I mean, that. Isn't that the idea to to I guess tell the it has to be the at home viewer that they're not missing anything any in ring action? I um, guess so. I don't think it makes any difference. I think like you can tell like even with the Brian Rollins match, they tried extra hard to make sure that you know people didn't feel like they were missing anything by doing as much as they did to uh, get the whole crew out there to get Eric Rowan out just so that they could restart the match after the break. It, it's they're completely overthinking it. Um, 
And I think oftentimes it just like kills momentum heading into these matches. You've had a number of awkward two out of three falls matches, elimination matches. You could just do commercial. So we're, we're all pretty much used to it by now. I think it's it's just been one of those weird things that they've been trying. We go to the dark room, and there is Alistair Black. What does it take to change the essence of a man? See, I get it. I understand why no one has come knocking on my door. <laughs> this fucking door. I get why no one has picked a fight with me. Because I can hear your whispers as you pass by. Haven't you heard? He was told he would amount to nothing. Haven't you heard? A child destined to fall from grace. This is not a woe is me story. This is a woe my opponent story. Because someone will come knocking. Someone will pick a fight with me. And when we fight, I shall change the essence of that man. Wow. Um, you delivered it very nicely. Oh, I, I don't hold a candle to this guy. Oh, this is my favorite part, hearing you reset the entire promo. This, um, this door, though, is just becoming, like, such comedy for me. Like, <laughs> someone knock on my door. Thing is, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly getting bored with these by now. I didn't even find this one funny. It was just kind of kind of there. I know. Midway through the transcription, I was like, I don't even have anything here. There's nothing even like that funny. It's just I've committed to transcribing this, so I got to finish. I think um, like, you know, I, I'd expected them to maybe get this guy finally out of that room after. What is it? Um, uh, What was that show called? Great Rumble? Greatest Showdown? Super Showdown. OK, yes. Yeah. Um, But I guess we're going to have to wait until after Stomping Grounds. And uh, even then we'll have to see. Whether or not this guy will finally get out. I, I think they should have announced this, that Alistair Black in action this Sunday, even if it was just him killing a, no per, a nobody and he wins in 30 seconds. Like, I think we just we need something. Push yeah. push people to the pay-per-view. And it's like, OK, we're done these. He's he's not wrestling anyone of note. He's just killing someone. He's just doing the his finish. I feel like he should have been doing that for the past two weeks. Yeah, I, I think I think it's it's definitely time. Yes. Shane comes out with Elias and Drew McIntyre. He doesn't even have Greg Hamilton do the introduction and is not going to talk about last night because he's going to put the spotlight on Drew McIntyre. Drew says, Shane wanted me to end your career tonight, but I told him no regarding Roman Reigns. We are better than Roman Reigns. And they were having a private function on Monday that Reigns ambushed when they were not prepared. And he wants Reigns to be 100% this Sunday with no excuses. The Miz comes out, and the best part of this, the second Miz's music plays, Drew just slams the microphone down. He is so mad. And Miz airs the attack from Roman Reigns, then shows Shane McMahon running away in slow motion. Then we see Reigns with the Superman punch and spear, while Miz is doing slow motion sound effects and jokes about Shane sweating even more when it's done in slow motion. Yeah, do you like that? This was so clever. Uh, we're up to six, by the way. <laughs> wow. Shane says that his father is a billionaire. Miz's dad is from the dirt because he's a potato. And then Miz says when Shane came back, 
He vowed to make SmackDown different and make it the land of opportunity. But instead, he has sucked up the airtime to feed his ego. Everyone's sick of it. And Miz blames himself for getting hurt at the World Cup when Shane ended up becoming best in the world. And he sent Shane down this ego trip, and he's going to end it. And Shane says, I earned that trophy, and Miz never could. And he makes a tag match with Miz being able to choose any partner he wants, but that partner has to appear within 10 seconds. And I thought we were getting Roman Reigns here. But instead, our truth pops up ringside. Miz picks him for a reunion of awesome truth, and Shane makes it a tag team elimination match. Yes. So tag matches cannot just be tag matches anymore. We need something. We've got to reimagine tag matches. That's one of their their favorite catchphrases. Well, they either have to be two out of three falls or eliminations. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So before we go to the match, AOP was backstage and just say, glad we caught him before he left, referring to Baron Corbin outside of his office. And that was it. That was like our big return of AOP, at least on SmackDown, after their cameo in the uh, the 50-man Battle Royal. Yeah, and without Drake, Drake Maverick right now... Um, well, he's very busy. Doesn't have time right. for these guys. But, you know, was this a tease? Uh, with them as the referees? Yeah. I guess it was done as a tease. I mean, I'm so teased I almost forgot about it. Then the Iconics are backstage, and they run into Paige and the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kairi Sane, and they proceed to make fun of them. Paige challenges them to a title match, but the Iconics explain they're traveling a lot this month, to which Paige retorts, well, we travel to all the same places you do, so I have had it approved, I don't know by who, but someone approved this, that... Asuka and Sane will face them next week in Tokyo, and if they win that match, they get a bye to receive a title shot. That's right, yes. Um, this is kind of weird. They're promoting this. This is a house show in Tokyo, not this weekend, but the following weekend, and then presumably coming out of that, we'll get some title match with the Iconics. So it's happening next week and... Yes, not this weekend, next week. Yeah, they're doing Friday and Saturday at Sumo Hall. So this allows uh, Asuka and Kairi Sane to beat the Iconics in Tokyo without the titles on the line. Yes, yes. Um, I guess they want to just set up the title match this way by having them earn it through a win in Tokyo. Yep, so this is our reminder that the Kabuki Warriors are still on SmackDown. And Paige is still there, too. Yeah. So who approved this? Was it Shane? Probably, or or another McMahon. The Miz and R-Truth versus Drew McIntyre and Elias. Elimination match. The crowd was chanting awesome at the beginning of this. They got the advantage on R-Truth. Shane pulled Miz off the apron as Truth was trying to make the tag, and Elias hit a running knee and pinned R-Truth. Then all the 24-7 guys ran down and went after Truth. Benjamin grabs the title and is running in circles around the ring before the referee explains that you can't just take the title away and become champion. So Truth grabs the title and he runs through the crowd as they go to the break. Well, why why would Shelton think that? Because he doesn't watch the show. He doesn't know how this works. He thinks it's a hot potato. 
Okay. And and shouldn't Elias be champion? Uh, no, it, the title wasn't on the line during this match. They didn't explain that, but I assume that. It's a 24-7 title. But it gets suspended during... Well, it got suspended during uh, another match on SmackDown a few weeks ago. So now we believe every time our truths in a match, it's suspended. So it's like... Right, it, it's the the 23.8 slash 6.9 title. Okay. Sure. It's two-on-one. They're destroying Miz. Um... There is no combination that I think is worse than Miz and Elias. It's up there. Yeah, probably among the worst. Yeah, sure. Miz delivered this boot to the ribs of Elias as he was coming off the top, which knocked Miz over. Then Miz blocking Elias's punches. That is something to go back and watch. Miz is lifted up on the shoulders for an electric chair, hops off the shoulders, does a roll-up, gets knocked into the ropes, hit with a Glasgow kiss from the floor, and then Drew hits the, the boomstick for the win, and then hits him with another boomstick after the match, as Miz is left for dead. Yes, yes. I know it's not the Miz's time, but I feel like they've really kind of killed him dead over the past couple weeks. Um, Where was Roman here? I have no idea. He wasn't on the show. He's I don't know. Smackdown uh, guy. Well, he wasn't around. I mean, the whole okay. angle at the end kind of begged for like Roman to come in for the save. But he was nowhere to be found. Maybe he's confused by the wild card rule and he thought I used up my spot on Raw this week. Therefore, I, I can't go on the other he, show. He must be. Yeah. I'd understand if he was uh, confused. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know if uh, Roman did a, a dark match or not. I'm trying to see here. But anyway, wasn't on the actual show itself. Ember Moon's in the back. Carmelo runs by, and Ember is looking for Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, who are 30 feet away. And Carmella says, uh, I'm looking for our truth, but tells Ember that if she finds Rose and Deville, she has unfinished business with them. Like Carmella, from where she ran from, like literally had to have run right past them eating their donuts. Because Ember Ember takes five steps, and there she is. Rose and Deville, they're eating donuts. And <laughs> they have a YouTube series, by the way. Okay. Where they eat donuts. I'm not kidding you. Cool. Um, that's great. Um, so they laugh about destroying Ember's video game. And Ember is very upset about her switch being broken last week. Mandy calls her a loner. Ember says, I've been dealing with people like you all my life. And she knocks down the donuts and brawled with Rose and DeVille. I was trying to make like a joke, like um, Rose was uh, glazed over. But anyway, the donut puns are not coming quickly to me. So Ember is the unpopular kid in school who's now the outcast on SmackDown. And Rose and DeVille are the mean girls. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Who love donuts. Love donuts. Yeah, so, you know, it's I, I like that they're building a feud over two items that wrestling fans can relate to in video games and donuts. I think this will be uh, very relatable. Are you a donut, donut connoisseur? I'm not a connoisseur. The occasional if you, if you, donut, if, sure. If you felt like a donut, what, what are you going for? I'm a honey crawler guy. Oh, okay. How about you? Um... 
I, I like the double chocolate ones. I'll have a donut every now and then. Goes nice with a coffee. Yes. Yeah. And they're cheap. They're really cheap. What can you say? It's dough and sugar. That's it. They re-aired the Firefly Funhouse from Monday. And then R-Truth is outside. And he's going up to a, a car where a referee gets out. And he's thinking it's his Uber driver, who's now a referee. And he passes by Drake Maverick, who is dressed up as Carmella, and attacks R-Truth. He's got <laughs> prosthetic breasts that fall out onto the street. And he uses the car for leverage to pin R-Truth, gets into the car, zooms off, yelling that he's getting married. And Truth is all confused, thinking Carmella is getting married and he wasn't invited to the wedding. And Drake Maverick is the 24-7 champion off to his wedding. This is a big title in here. Uh, he finally wins the belt, Drake Maverick. I, I thought this was really funny. I thought Maverick, dressed up as Carmella, looked just like her. And um, I love that he put his feet up into the car for leverage in the pinfall. Yes. That was great. And I think the punchline of Truth thinking Carmelo was getting married was actually done really well as well. So I'm expecting an angle for this wedding that... Uh, oh, it I'm, has to be. I'm, They've got to be shooting stuff. I'm assuming is happening this weekend. Please don't disappoint me, WWE, like you disappointed us with the box. By the way, a listener of ours informed me that at a recent house show on the weekend, they have had they showed something about Carmella asking our truth how, how he got out of the box. And he just said, I got out. So there you go. Awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that was tied up. <laughs> All right. Main event, two out of three falls. Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Kofi had a trouble in paradise and pinned Sami Zayn in eight seconds for the first fall. It's definitely just a weird, like, Vince thing. I feel they're trying, you know? Hey, they got to try things. If this is the idea that people might stay tuned because they're not missing part of the match, who knows? Um you know, they could have just done the, the introductions, gone to a break, come back, and then started the match. Absolutely. Had a normal tag match instead of doing these two falls spread out over two segments. Um, well, this was barely a segment. So we come back from commercial, and then the bell rings to start the second fall, and there's like eight minutes left in the show. So Owens knocks Kingston off the apron. He hit a DDT. They show Paul Heyman watching in the back. And they ask, could Brock Lesnar be here as 2 million people collectively screamed no? Uh, Rollins headbutted Zayn off the turnbuckle. Owens was back in. There was a blockbuster by Rollins. Zayn hit a blue thunderbomb, but then got sent to the floor. Rollins came in, hit a suicide dive to Zayn, then one to Owens, goes for a springboard clothesline onto Owens, and then calls for the stomp. Zayn grabs the leg from the floor. Kingston takes him out, and then Owens hits a super kick. Pop-up gets countered, and then Rollins does a roll-through in Seguri and hits the stomp, pinning Kevin Owens, and the champions get the 2-0 sweep. So at least Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are not challenging for the titles on Sunday. Well, it makes me wonder if the reason why they didn't lose last night, and Baron Corbin did, is perhaps because that they were they were going to lose again tonight. Maybe that's no oh, excuse, awesome. We'll, we'll we'll spread this around everybody. Yeah, yeah. like, dude, it made no sense. Well, that's to one me, of the yeah. problems when they do these two out of three falls and eliminations matches. Is all these guys are gonna have to take pinfall losses for no reason, simply because you don't want people tuning out during a commercial. That seems to be the the only intent behind it. Um, but every heel basically, you know, is is losing. Actually, a few of the baby faces too. 
By the way, uh, they they cut to Paul Heyman watching on a monitor. That's how the show ended. Yeah, they were celebrating with their titles, and then we saw Heyman in the back. Nobody buys that Brock's going to show up on stopping grounds. But, I mean, he could. But by the time he does, no one's really going to care that much. It's just, you know, it's it's too late. Anyway, um, I hate to sound maybe so negative uh, at the end of this show, but um, I thought, like... It had some good stuff, this edition of SmackDown. Um, unfortunately, maybe, you know, I thought Woods and Ziggler was good for what it was. I thought the Moment of Bliss segment was actually very good. Um, Brian's commentary. That was good, too. Like, like, I enjoyed a good, like, 40 minutes or so of this show. Yeah, there was um, good stuff here. I, I can't say, like, they greatly enhanced my intrigue for stomping grounds, but... It's I a mean, weak at least card. It was booked at least a hell of a lot better once you're comparing it to what they did on Raw to heat up some of these programs. Um, yeah, it's a weak card. The whole thing they're doing with the, the, the tag teams is definitely strange and I, I think completely unnecessary. Um, you know, they can only do so much with with this Ross lineup. Can Shall we go over the, the yeah, let's, pay-per-view? First of all, okay, uh, nine matches. How, okay. many, how many title matches of those nine? I'm going to say, I don't know, seven? Eight. Okay. There's a title in every match except for Roman and Drew McIntyre. So we've got, let's uh, just go through here. Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin for the Universal title. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler, steel cage match for the WWE title. Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's title. Bailey versus Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown title. Reigns and McIntyre, Samoa Joe versus Ricochet for the U.S. title, New Day versus oh, there were two non-title matches. We've also got New Day against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, so two non-title matches. You were right. Daniel Bryan and Rowan defending the SmackDown tag titles against Heavy Machinery and the Cruiserweight title match. Tony Nese defending against Akira Tozawa and Drew Gulak. I mean, I'm sorry, but it seems like a really like not even B level. I would say a C level show. Um, man, I, I, I don't know if they're just saving a lot of their best matches for SummerSlam or, or what, but, uh, it's not even the next one. Extreme well, rules. Is let, let me ask you a better question. What are those matches way of this roster? What are those matches that like granted this, this pay-per-view you lose AJ Styles. That's a big loss for mm-hmm. some of these pay-per-views. Like honestly, unless Joe and Ricochet go out and really are given the time to tear it up. I cannot imagine us on Sunday saying you have to go check out this match. Um, of course not. Like I like none of these pairings to me uh, jump out that these are going to be well, anything that are going to shock us. Like well, maybe because our expectations are low, something will sneak through. Well, you don't know who the special guest referee is yet, John, for Baron Corbin versus Seth Rollins. It could completely change your mind. That's enormous. But yeah. seriously, of the current roster makeup, you're not pulling names out from from the past or anywhere. Like, what are... This roster is amazing, man. Like, okay, I'll name but, one. But, the... That, to me, is my point, is that they have exhausted... Like, you could pair Seth Rollins and AJ Styles again, but I, I don't know how much that's going to really drive people's interest. Well, Rollins and Joe. You know, Reigns that... and... Let me see here. Uh, Reigns and Aleister Black, you know? Aleister Black could be inserted in here, certainly, and I think would provide something, but... Again, you're you're looking at a name that has not been exposed, that has not been put on television for three months. That I really worry is 
is Alistair Black just going to be in that in that same position that we find so like this roster is stacked with talent, but there's where is Ricochet right now in terms of where he was his final night of NXT? Well, yeah, it's not the same. Is he hotter or colder than when he was called up? Of course he's colder. Yeah, 100%. I mean, listen, like there are plenty of problems that I think go beyond, you know, what 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 are the matches that they have to make, but the matches they can make, I don't think they're making the best ones that they can using this roster. That's for sure. Um, you know, for this particular show whether or not they it feels like they're holding back, it it does feel like they are. Um, but even if you're holding back for like a C-level show, I I feel like you could do better than this. Like we're getting rematches from Super Showdown, and they're not even good rematches. We're talking Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin. We're talking Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler of all people for a second time. Um, I'm sorry for the people who are watching the show in Tacoma, but maybe you know they could prove all of us wrong. This could you know be an amazing card for some reason <laughs> somehow. Um, in yeah, ring. You know, I, I think the New Day and, and Owens and Zayn can always deliver. Cruiserweights, we know, will deliver. Um, Joe Ricochet, I think we're all hoping, is going to be good. And everything else, it just seems like it's, you know, like holding pattern programs for all the champions until they get better, more more kind of like high-caliber opponents. I'm talking about Becky Lynch versus Lacey Evans, like, you know, again. Um, Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre is also a nothing thing. Yeah, for for qual just for for strict quality, I think no AJ Styles and no Charlotte as well on this card. I think that makes a big difference for it's me. It's true. Does. It's true. But I mean, even if they were on this card, like where do you think they would be placed? You know, like it would. Like I, I, I feel like they would do AJ Styles versus the Miz or something like. Well, that. Well, I mean, neither have been really inserted into any programs i mean they were teasing bailey and charlotte for a period of time i mean that would have been good if but they that that's that. something they're going to say for either extreme rules or or SummerSlam. is my right. impression well that's stomping grounds we'll do a uh, a deeper preview on thursday um though i don't know how much there is to really preview on this show but we'll do that on thursday on the cafe hangout let us move to the forum i want to see what everybody uh thought about tonight's show on a scale of one to ten where are you going on this one? Do you go higher than five? Yeah, I, I go like 5.5. 5. A 6.17. Which is good. That's a, that's good for a pass. Our yeah. Andrew from Cape Breton. So with the brand split unofficially ending, the biggest problem with SmackDown now is it's back to becoming Raw's dress rehearsal. The Firefly Funhouse is great, but it doesn't need to be replayed on SmackDown when that time could go elsewhere. So the show has gone back to the days when you when you guys didn't want to do review a SmackDown because what was the point of reviewing a show like that? The big highlight for me, though, was Drake Maverick winning the 24-7 title. I always hoped that he would get some shine in WWE as he's a very talented performer. I know the title is as meaningless as the wild card rule, but I have to admit I was overjoyed seeing him win it. Drake also built this up for weeks, so it was a meaningful win for a meaningless title. Show was okay, but it's a dress rehearsal again. Five out of ten. I agree. I think it's good to see Drake Maverick, you know, get get a role that um, highlights his abilities. Um, we'll see how far he can take it. You know, certainly without the twenty four seven title, I don't think we'll ever be talking about Drake Maverick as any sort of champion in the WWE. So at, at least we kind of have that. So I, I look forward to seeing what they do at the wedding and and really how far they can drag this whole thing. Do you think like a year from now they can keep this up? The twenty four seven title, yeah. Oh, um, 
Who I'll is it going yes. to be on? I don't know. I like who? Probably what, what? What caliber? Like we're talking about, you know, your comedy figures and R Truth and uh, Drake Maverick, people of that level. Like who can who can have a good twenty four seven run? Listen, there's plenty of like comedy figures. Like they they are not short on on goofballs on this show. Um, it just happens. Truth and Maverick are two of the best at it. Um, so you know, it's. It's a place for some people. There's there's certainly a ceiling to it. But, you know, I have these hopes that a lot of these titles are going to eventually be consolidated over this next year. The 24-7 title, I think they'll keep. I think this one will be there for, for a while unless it just gets really, really, really tired and people aren't responding to it at all. But, yeah, for whatever reason, there seems to be, you know, interest in this title and... It is stuff that you can be creative with when it comes to, you know, clips that you put online. And when you have clever stuff uh, with people like R-Truth and Drake Maverick, it can be really entertaining. Yes, yes. We go to Paul from New Jersey who says, maybe it's because Alexa and Bailey's last feud was a dumpster fire or because this this feud is one of this... This feud is one of the many violations of the brand split. I haven't been looking forward to a moment of bliss. I do have... uh, I do have, I ever have to say that I enjoyed their back and forth. Bailey sounds more serious, which was needed. Speaking of verbal billions, I'm done. Sorry, I'm done. Brandon from Ohio. I enjoyed the show overall. I liked Woods and Dolph. Thought Dolph's promo was good, even if repetitive. I really enjoyed the tag stuff with Brian on commentary. Lowe's would be the Alexa segment, Miz and Shane. But having not watched Raw, I did appreciate getting the Firefly Funhouse. Can't help but feel bad for the various folks getting sent to the chair buffet from Seth Rollins. Poor EC3 and B-Team. My biggest complaint is that I was looking forward to Owens and Sammy versus the champions, but why make it two out of three falls out of nowhere? I wasn't expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. I've been skipping weekly WWE lately and watching more New Japan. I should also admit that I was viewing this show at 1.5 speed, so that could play into my enjoyment of the promo segments. How do you do that? Uh, Is that like a special PVR button? I don't know. Show me this power. We got a Carl Jr. who says SmackDown was a good show tonight, but this wildcard rule is not working for me. Ending the brand split was a mistake and they could care less. My question is about 205 Live. Good matches. The crowd just seems bored. What changes can be made to improve this and whatever happened to the rumored Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships? Uh, that show does not need more titles. I, I don't think that's a big issue. Um, you know, it, it, that's always going to be an issue with 205 Live. And... You know, tonight was like last week where they were on the West Coast. So in theory, it's it's not as big of an, an ask as being on the, the East Coast when you're doing an hour of matches after SmackDown. Uh, but I haven't watched tonight's show yet, so I don't know what the crowd was like for that. But that's going to be expected that it's – listen, the problem 205 Live has, there are no stars on 205 Live. They are, there are some phenomenal wrestlers, and I really enjoyed last week's episode. But when you don't have stars, you're not going to get – reactions from your audience i don't know at this point really i think what could turn it around if you're going to continue filming them in front of like a wwe main main roster audience um i i I just don't really see the reactions changing that much i think you're only going to have a certain section of the audience that'll maybe appreciate that level of wrestling um are you surprised they've stuck with 205 Live this long? Coming up in November, um, well, this summer, it's been three years since the uh, Cruiserweight Classic. Mm-hmm. And they've been doing this show for two and a half years now. 
I guess it doesn't really surprise me that much because I, I can only assume that they don't have any better ideas with which to fill that space. Um, I, and I don't know. It's just, but at, at this point, it, it almost feels like it's, it's a thing on their checklist that they have to do every single week. And they got the graphics for it. They have all the, the commentators for it, the infrastructure. Just do it. So I'm really not sure. I think until they find a better idea of what to replace that slot with, you're going to continue seeing these matches. I mean, ideally, we have this roster as a part of NXT or you have this show as a part of NXT if you care about the atmosphere being the best. Um, but I something tells me they're not really caring about that and they just want to like, you know, fill out a two-hour SmackDown with an extra hour of TV that they can also put on the network. Jeremy in Texas, maybe I'm in the minority, but I enjoyed the Alexa Bailey segment. The promo seemed a bit shoot-like and made it interesting and an enjoyable segment to watch, at least for me. I'm now more interested in their match on Sunday. Establish conflict based on real-life situations. What a concept. I think you and I are in agreement with Jeremy. I think both of us enjoyed that. Finally, we got a Brandon from Oshawa who says, Obviously, Vince was binge-watching some NXT on the network this past weekend and saw that the 2 out of 3 fall stipulation is one of their big matches they go to for a feud. What other excuse is there for having a meaningless two out of three falls match on back-to-back nights? Best part of the show was Drake Maverick putting his feet in the car for leverage to win the 24-7 title. Question, since Alexa Bliss is a new coffee addiction gimmick, will you guys be sending her some post-wrestling coffee sleeves? It would make sense to add to this real creative gimmick they've given her. Um, Well, if she she has a chance just like everyone else on Mondays during our draw. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know... Where we would send uh, something like that too, but yeah, she could win a T-shirt, stickers, coffee sleeve, and a signed postcard from John and myself. Maybe we could throw in some post wrestling shoelaces for the next time she has to wrestle in her shoes. That's a great idea. All right. Well, that was SmackDown. Anything else on the agenda? Uh, not so much. You know, that was that was a show. Um. To, uh, on the double shot, looking uh, looking forward to that. I listened Can't to wait. the Tony Khan uh, Stone Cold interview today. I did as well. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll chat about that on on Wednesday night. So the double shot, we'll chat about the Tony Khan interview. I'm gonna try and watch 205 live. Uh, we're gonna have being the elite, and who else? Who knows what else might uh, fall out of the sky on on Wednesday uh, that we may chat about. Uh, these Tuesdays now, uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contenders series is back, which. I think you'd really enjoy way it's there are two hours. They're super quick. Every episode, it's like self-contained. Like you get four or five fights. And at the end of it, Dana White offers contracts to the people that perform the best. So you have like a self-contained story in each one. Commentary is very good. I think it's one of the best UFC presentations that they have. So it's kind of like the ultimate fighter, except you just win one fight. Yes. You win one fight and then you get a, you qualify for a buy to meet with Dana White. Interesting. Okay. And and where do they take place from the from the tough gym? Uh, it's from their this new gym that they they they've now uh, designed the UFC Apex is what they call it, and it's like this state of the art facility that's replaced the old tough gym. Ooh. Okay. Yes. It's open so. to the public. Dana White said tonight to the media. Anyone that wants to come on Tuesday nights can show up. You don't need a ticket. He'll let anyone in. That sounds cool. What else are you going to do in Vegas on a Tuesday? 
That's it. Go go watch some fights. Dana is he's been doing a lot of interviews promoting this, and uh, in the scrum tonight, he was talking about hit one of his big things is always you know streaming is the future, and I'm I'm sure many people they can agree with that assessment. Where it's going to be in ten years is probably going to be significant. It already is the future. I mean, yeah, for for many people, it is. I wouldn't say it's replaced television yet, but it's certainly a huge component. For some people, he, it has. Yeah. But Dana uh, is using, like, he's really into the numbers. And he said, you know, there's there's 7 billion people on Earth. He's like, so what's our limit of how many people could watch a big fight? He said, back when I was young, if I wanted to watch Chips... I'd have to be home by a certain time and be there to watch it. And now, you know, we're competing with so many things on a Saturday night when we have a big card. Like, ah, maybe maybe you've worked too hard all week and your wife's upset and you got to take your wife out for dinner. Well, now you can take your wife out for dinner and you can be watching the fight while you're out for dinner with your wife. <laughs> or you could be... It, before you'd have to take your kid to like his baseball game. Now you can be watching the fights while you're at your kid's baseball game. I was like, Dana, these are awful, awful like precedents to be setting for relationships out there. Yeah, when but, you get divorced, you can watch fighting at uh, at the courthouse. Yeah, if you, if your alimony isn't too bad, you can be dropping sixty five bucks every month, and you can go watch fights wherever. But. Yeah, he believes, yeah, maybe we'll get 7 billion people watching the next Conor McGregor fight because the, anyone can watch a fight anywhere. Right. Okay. He makes it sound so simple. Like, you just hit a yeah. button and you and you get this, fu- this fight free of charge no matter what. Never mind places but, without, like, you know, high-speed internet, places maybe even nah, without good not, electricity. Dude, seven, 7 billion people that are wired to the internet, they're all ready. They are all stream. They're all on their uh, LG connection. They're good. Got it. Seven billion buys. It's coming. The futurist, Dana White. I, I love it. You got to watch this this scrum. All right. That's it for us. Wayne and I will be back. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you'll hear us on Wednesday night with the double shot and lots to come this week. We'll speak with you then.